When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, lads and lasses, and welcome to episode 58 of the Roker Report podcast. We haven't had a game this week, but we have got Danny Collins in the studio, Brazilian. How are you doing, Danny? I'm great, thank you. Thanks nice for having me uh, on. Nice of you to come in. No problem. We've also got James Nichols, one of our editors. How are you doing, mate? Uh, mate I'm great. Good today. I'm looking forward to the pod. Good stuff. Connor Bromley, how are you doing? I'm good. Do I get an introduction? Like, call my Sunderland player, Danny Collins, editor Nichols, and then just Connor. Live zone, Connor Bromley. Yeah. Like Stokes, Bromley. Like, like Stokes, yeah. <laughs> Right, so we'll go straight into questions for Danny Collins since we haven't had a game. It's quite nice actually not to be like depressed. Obviously, we weren't depressed last week, but usually we're sitting here and we're like right. proper depression session, aren't we? So, James, questions for Danny? Yeah, we've got a few here. I was going to think about some memories first, some memories of playing for Sutherland. Yeah. And uh, obviously, a couple of the first things that popped up in my head was there, uh, Stoke away, the game before you just moved. Right. Obviously, you were captain at the time, yeah. uh, played 90 minutes week in, week out, and then kind of came out as a shock came in the news like a bit of a shock to Sunderland fans as the, the move was going ahead and I remember that game that you, were, you didn't play the Stoke game and I remember Bruce coming over like the way in next to the tunnel yeah. got a little bit of stick kind of quite a bit of stick from his fans and then you came over and got like heroes like goodbye really <laughs> just, want to, like, basically just want to ask about that game and... yeah looking back it was a bit of a strange situation in the fact that as you said um, Steve had come in for pre-season um, I think we went to the Amsterdam tournament that year uh, he made me the captain obviously during pre-season out there um, came back, started the season, as you say, with the armband on, and we got off to a good start. I think you know three games in prior to the Stoke game, we we won two of the first three. I think we just beat Blackburn on the on the Saturday. You know, so you know, spirits are high in the camp. You know, six points from the first three games, and um, no, Steve just called me in on the on the Tuesday. I think it was um, maybe after training, and he just said, "Listen, I'm looking." Bringing a couple of more defenders in. I know you've you've done great here the last couple of years, um, but obviously you know I'll be competition for places, and I can't sort of guarantee you'll be playing week in week out. And mentioned that obviously Tony had been in touch with him and inquired about me, and he said uh, you know I'll, I'll leave you. I'll probably put you on the bench at the weekend um, when we go down there. Which again, as you mentioned, it's a bit it's a bit of a strange one if you sort of find yourself out of the squad or on the bench and you're perhaps looking at getting away because. It was coming towards the end of the, the summer window, as it were, you know, towards the end of August. So, yeah, so it was a bit out of the blue for me, really. You know, I was enjoying it up here, loved it. Come off yeah. the back of a couple of good seasons and, you know, having just had the armband as well, it was, a, you know, a big, big sort of honour for me to, to, to get the, the armband. And um, and that was it, you know, as you, as you said there, we, we went down there, Stoke won 1-0. I was on the bench and that was it. My agent came down after the game, met me, stayed down in the hotel 
and the next day we went in met Tony and, and the, the the chairman um, Stoke and, and it was done and dusted yeah. Did you find many similarities between playing for Sutherland and playing for Stoke are they kind of like similar clubs in stature or yeah, both sets of fans vocal, as you know. You've, you've probably been down to to Stoke's ground yourself. It's uh, when they get behind the players down there. It's it's a, it's a good place to play football. Um, you know, same as Stadium Light really. And on good days when things are going well, it's a it's a great place to play football, and um, and it helps you along when you're out on the pitch. Yeah, it was different. I think they'd come up the year before um, Stoke. They that was the, they'd had a, a year in the Premier League the year before. New training ground was getting built. Um, there was a lot going on there, and um, yeah, obviously you know Tony was um, progressing. In the club as a whole, in mm. in terms of bringing new players in, obviously Dino joined as well. Lenny, uh, Liam Lawrence, Lenny's as we know him, uh, joined at the same time. So there was faces that I knew there. I think obviously Rory had been up here as well. I'd have spent so Rory was there. So there was a lot of faces who I knew. It was just becoming a sort of a solid club down there, I think. And obviously the three years I had there, it sort of progressed each year. We had a we had a cup final against Man City. They, they beat us one 0 but it was a good experience to get to the final Europa League. And um, sort of Tony took them up into a sort of solid mid-table Premier League team. But at the same time, it was a it was a strange situation. I've been up here for five years. Mm. You know, my, my wife from up here, and and sort of felt settled. And then I found myself sort of, you know, moving to a to a new club. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, why do you think Stoke bought so many of them former Sunderland players? Like yeah, Kenwin Jones went as well. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. Do, did the the Pulis, you know, ask players like yourself, the more senior pros? Yeah. Should we go for them sort of players? Yeah, yeah, you know, wherever I've been, you know, you'll get managers who ask you if you know if they're looking at someone from from a club where you've been at. What do you think of him? Would he be a good asset if we bring him into the club and and stuff like that? I mean, it's a bit like Liverpool with Southampton at the minute. They seem <laughs> yeah. to be, you know, taking a lot of their players, and um, I, I don't know if it's just a, that's how it happens type of thing, but. Again, at that at that time, as you say, obviously Danny Higginbottom was another one, wasn't he? Yeah, Danny yeah, was up he was, here. Yeah. Danny went down there. He was there as well. So you know, it was just you know red and white stripes, and we were all a, a friendly, <laughs> friendly group, really, weren't we? So uh, yeah, I think it was probably something to do with the mentality. Like that group of players, like up here when you were all at Sutherland, well, they had really good mentality. Like there was a lot of last minute winners. Like everyone yeah. wanted to play for the shirt. It was all about it was a positivity and fighting for the club. And I can imagine like Pulis probably instilled very similar at Stoke. That's probably why he got so many of you there. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah, no, as, as you say, I think um, myself again going to Liam Dino. We we came from you know them to Oxford, Mansfield, myself from Chester, yeah. you know League Two coming up to a, a big club, you know Sunderland. I say the the stadium, the facilities, everything about the place. And by the time I joined, we were we were third in the league in the championship. Um, mm-hmm. So you know you come to a club with big big expectations, but at the same time, it's a club that's on the on the the rise with a feel good factor about it when you you know obviously coming into a team who are pushing for promotion yeah. and in a good vein of form um so it, it helps you along as a, as a younger lad you know so well, I was 20 maybe 23 24 when I came up but still young in terms of my my uh, career as a whole um but you know Mick was Mick was the one who signed me as well he signed us and he he seems to have that knack of bringing the lads in from the lower leagues and and giving us the confidence to to go out there on a Saturday and prove our worthwhile at coming to a club yeah. like this what, no, was, no, what was Mick like as a manager? Because of all, like, most of our former players have been very complimentary of him in the interviews with Mick, and it seemed like he's very, for, like, very, odd, very, very honest man, very forward. Exactly, exactly what you probably expect of Mick in front of the camera. What was he like behind the scenes as well? Exactly that, you know. Um, from the minute I came in, I talked to talked to Mick. Um, very straight talking, isn't straight it? talking, nail on the head. Yeah, as you say, you know, you see his interviews after games. Even now, I've seen it yesterday. They play Wolves, and he's honest. You know, Wolves deserve the win, and he just tells it as it is. I think he on a Friday he'd. 
he called lads in down, you know, his office down the corridor there at the training ground, and perhaps if he was looking at changing it or taking someone out of the team, he'd, he'd call them in, have a chat with them, he'd be honest up front, and it's what you like from a manager. Mm-hmm. I've found over, over my time, you know, I've had a lot of managers now, and it probably riles a player more when you're probably expecting to go into the, when you walk into the change rooms on a Saturday at one o'clock, quarter past one. If the team hasn't been named and you've played the week before, you're perhaps thinking, well, I'm starting today, and then once it goes up on the board, it sort of deflates you when you see that oh, your name's not on the starting eleven. Whereas if you've if he's named the team on a Friday, or let you know at least you've got 24 hours to get your head round it, and you know you prepared yourself that you're going to be on the bench or, or not involved, mm-hmm. I suppose. And Mick, Mick was honest like that. Yeah. Obviously, when uh, when Mick left Ball, he came in to steady the ship. Kevin Ball, how did you yeah. find him as a manager in comparison to Mick? Uh, similar in a way, yeah, Kevin. You know, which uh, obviously tells it as it is as well. Yeah, Ball, you know, he was obviously yeah. around the. <sighs> doing the 21s I think the 23s 21s at the time when we were there so he he sort of came in for a while and and took over and uh, just tried to consolidate us really after Mm. you know obviously Mick going and you know lads are perhaps wondering what's going on around the club and that but obviously our priority is as as footballers is to to get on with the day-to-day stuff in terms of getting your training done getting your prep done ready for a game on a Saturday and concentrating on trying to put things right on the pitch where you sort of let the things get sorted out upstairs that, that sort of takes care of itself in a way Cool. We'll move on to a Twitter question. We've got one from another one of our editors, actually, Alex McCain. He says, do you reckon you could get into the the, uh, the first team currently? <laughs> <laughs> Back yourself down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm still playing. I still feel good. You know, I've, I think I've turned out 30 games this season. Uh, obviously well, 37 now, but I'd, I'd love to, you know, I'd love to... <laughs> 30 games already this season yeah, yeah 30 games I've only missed one, two I think you know, I got sent off earlier in the season so I missed one after that um, but yeah you know I'd, I'd love to come back up here and, and, and have a run out again at the stadium <laughs> like fantastic, you know before I go come and get me please yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> spin that round yeah. we do play with that, that three at the back so yeah, if you're I'll used to that, that as you came so yeah. Slot, mate. yeah not a problem there's, yeah. there's the Chris Coleman Welsh link as well so yeah, yeah. You, know, you never played with Coleman did you I didn't know I know we Chris took over um, obviously after Gary and I spoke to Chris uh, it was during the summer really I think there was a a friendly organised against Mexico in New York in the off season um, so he, he called us and just mentioned that he'd be leaving a few of the sort of senior lads myself I think James Collins at the time I think Rob Earnshaw was still in the squads then just to he said listen it's going to be 45 minutes I don't want to take the senior boys across the pond to, to play 45 minutes and you know have a good summer and then we'll, we'll sort of get together after that and then um, I think after that, I think I might have been going to the Forest then by that time. And um, I think when, when the sort of squad went up, I'm not sure if I, if I was in his first squads or, or what had gone on. And I just had my little lad. And then I spoke to his assistant who, who was had with Wales at the t- through his time, Ossian Roberts. And uh, I said, listen, I, you know, obviously I'm, th- I think I was 33, 34 at that time now. And I just said, I want to sort of concentrate and, you know, playing for Forest now. I've just yeah. gone in there and, you know, try and prolong my career rather than, you know, the travelling around and stuff. And, um, that that was sort of it, really. That was the only sort of time, and I spoke to Chris and that. But obviously, he, he took them on to, yeah. to you know great things in terms of you know carrying on from what Gary had started, um, and obviously had a great Euros uh, last mm-hmm. time round. And you know, obviously coming into the the Sunderland job for him now, he's, he's probably full of confidence of what's gone on, and it's a big task for him. And uh, as I say, there's still a still a good chance. It's tight down the bottom there. You know, mm-hmm. great result last week, and then hopefully he can continue it and uh, and get him out of the mire and. and consolidate this season I think and then sort himself out in the team in the summer in terms of getting some bodies in and, and look to kick on next year were you, were you surprised when he took the job given the kind of the recent troubles at, at Sunderland 
Uh, yeah, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm probably I probably was a, a lot I of people. You, you and everybody like <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Were, yeah. we kind of came into the podcast that week. Like, why has he done that? Well, he's yeah. committed suicide, managerial suicide. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think he, you know he's looked at it. It's a it's a big club for him. His stock's probably quite high in terms of he might have had other opportunities in the pipeline. Maybe yeah. Um, with obviously teams who were fair and a bit better than what Sunderland yeah. were when he took the job. Um, but as I say, you know he's he's, he's probably confident in what he's done. Um, with Wales and then he's looking at, at Sunderland as a whole as a bigger picture and thinking it's a big club I, if I get things right now I could you know get him out of the relegation zone this this time round and then next season have a, have a go at it you know get him back up the right end of the table yeah hopefully but this is an interesting like, parallel with Coleman like, Coleman just seems to fit with Sunderland mm. and I think and during your time, I had numerous couple of other managers who were quite similar, like especially Kino. They just kind kind of fit, like they just had the right mentality to do well at Sunderland. Yeah. And sometimes I've had managers in the past where you're just not quite sure on it. Yeah. So I just wanted to like think what when Kino was at Sunderland, like was he obviously built a squad with lots of passion, lots of energy, like lots of commitment. Yeah. But what was he like as a manager? Like we've all we've all heard stories, we've heard the famous Northampton story. Yeah. But like what was Keane like man to man, like away from yeah. the bravado maybe? Was it uh, I, I got on fine with him personally um, as you say there I know I could name two or three players who would say different to me um, who I've, I've played with since and obviously I've had chats with it about stuff but you take each manager as you see them do you know what I mean if you're if you're playing week in week out it's obviously easier to get on with the manager if you're out of the team or you think you're out of favour then the manager's probably the worst person in the world do you know what I mean yeah. Um but yeah, Roy was another one who sort of wore his heart on his sleeve in terms of he wanted things doing right around the place, right out on the training pitch. He sort of sussed lads out who weren't quite at the level what he wanted them to be at. Um, and yeah, don't get me wrong, he did have a few fallings out. You know, there's obviously things in the changing rooms where he did fly off it, but that's no different to any other manager who I've come across in terms of how, how they do things. And um, that was that was just Roy. But away from what can I say now the the footballing side of it when it was just like Roy in the hotel or on the bus and that you know I used to have a game of cards with him down the front and a few of the other players used to have a game of cards and stuff on the away trips he'd be like you know have a laugh and a joke with the boys and that but he had a switch where he could sort of switch into manager mode if you know if I'm saying and, and then getting to the boys in, on, uh, on a Saturday you, you mentioned in, um, an interview you did with the Roker Report uh, yeah. on the site which is really good I'd encourage all the listeners to go and have yeah, a read yeah. of it uh, you mentioned that Roy used to get involved with a fiver side yeah. and this obviously just after his re- he'd retired did he Did he yeah. still? was he still be able to mix it or was he Was he competitive or was oh, a few yeah, tackles going yeah no about? well funny enough yeah he, um, he used to do it every sort of Friday we'd perhaps have a young v old all right. dividing that and which divide were you on at that point I, I think I've crept into the young at that point <laughs> the high end of the youngs at that stage I think I've got to say um, no he yeah he used to be out there and he'd, he'd you know he'd be taking it serious and stuff and um, I do actually remember that I think the olds might have got hammered one it might have been 4 or 5 nil say mm. And he sort of like that's enough, lads. That's enough for me. I think he sort of hung up and just sort of went to the touchline after that one. But now he uh, boxes. You know, you have the little sort of ten yeah. by ten boxes in the morning just to get you going and stuff. And he'd be in the boxes as well, and you know, touching that. Still have everything, as you say. He just not long finished playing himself, really, had he? So he's still still keen and still like that side of it out there. Uh, one one famous game that you played in as well was the um, the two one Newcastle game, the first one at the Stadium of Light. Um, Richardson's free kick. Yeah, obviously that was the first time we'd won at the stadium like, against Newcastle, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was twenty-eight years. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it was, uh, it was a long time. What are your memories of that game? Uh, as you say, probably Kieran's free kick. Yeah. Remember, I can't. Who got the first one? Wasn't Danny Higginbottom? Was it? Oh, Higginbottom got the one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, Jubal got the first touch right, wasn't it? And they equalised, didn't they? I think. And then obviously mm. Kieran's uh, smashed the free kick in from the edge of the box. Uh, yeah, great strike. I remember the celebrations, the noise in the stadium, and everything. And then um, not long after the final whistle going, and it's just for myself. I think it might be my fourth derby I played. I think I drew maybe one or two, lost one. Mm-hmm. Um, a big relief, as you say. And you, having been up here for so long, you know, sort of into my third, fourth season, that you know what it means to the fans, and they let yeah. you know about it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And and then. As I said on me on the interview I done last week, um, speaking to players who played up in the the old firms like Liam yeah. Miller, you know perhaps Ross Wallace and a few boys who I've spoke to since, saying it's on a par with you know the atmosphere in the ground and mm. not so much hatred, but there's there's a bit of naughty banter between the two <laughs> clubs and and stuff. You know, um, I think one game, one of my earlier ones, we played at St James's and someone got through up the the windscreen on the bus and there's a big crack down there. Oh, really? So you know it's a bit. <laughs> Bit hostile coming out of St James's and that, but yeah, that's that's what it's you know it's all about really. When you look back at these these mm. games, it's a it's mm. a big day for you. Were, were there some players in the dressing room kind of prior to derby games that didn't really seem to get it as yeah. much as the as the kind of domestic players? I know yeah. like Cesar when he scores that goal, you can tell he re- he's really yeah. born. Yeah, I remember the commentator really at the time. Yeah. the commentator was literally there was. He literally said, like, you can tell, like, all oh, these foreign guys may not get it, but CC just gets it. Yeah, That's yeah. yeah, no, to be fair to Gibral, um, out of the, some of the foreign boys who came in, I think Gibral was one. He did put it in in training, actually, to be mm. fair to him. Uh, you know, he's a bit of a character off the pitch and with his different colour hair and his <laughs> yeah. beards and everything along these lines and his cars or what have you. But he did actually train well when he was out on the training pitch. Um, but yeah, I, I know what you're saying in terms of trying to get it into the some of the foreign boys who come in and they back just think, oh, it's just another game and that. Whereas, when you're when you're British and you're you're up here, and as you say, there's, there's a lot of the boys at the core of the squad who've been there for a while. You, you get it after a while, do you know yeah. what I mean? You, you sort of, it's it's drilled into you um, everywhere you go. You know, fans letting you know in the build up to the game. Um, shirts are out in full force around the town, and people are in your ear and saying, "Come on, we need to win at the <laughs> yeah. weekend. Beat these black and white, <laughs> you know, um, and that sort of stuff." Um, so yeah, it's, it's obviously getting you up for it, and you should be able to get swearing's permitted. You can call them bastards if you want. Right, we can now call them bastards. We all know what the atmosphere is like in the in the city, but like yeah. in the training ground, like behind the scenes, yeah, is it any different? One other game, like you always say, like it is just another game, but. It's kind of like it's all encompassing in the media. It's all encompassing in the town, in the city. Everything yeah. is on that. You, you spend your week working just to get through that, just for the derby game on the Saturday. From a fan's perspective, yeah. What's it like from a player's perspective? Is it like completely different? Just a regular week training? Or uh, does it kind of take over? No, no. I think yeah, it's on. It's on your mind. Say so, so. If you've had a game on the Saturday and then the following weekend the derby's coming up. Yeah. From the Monday onwards, it's it's on your head. You know, you're getting on it. Um, you're probably getting widened in training. You know, you'll do shape play. You'll do all different stuff out on the training pitches, and and the gaffer will let you know about it more often than not. And you know, I've had places where they'll put stuff up on the walls. Perhaps the opposition players might have said in the press, and mm-hmm. just, just try and fire you up a little bit more and that sort of, sort of stuff, really. Um, but again, gradually, when you get to the Thursday and then obviously the Friday, you're really ready for it and you're at it. And then obviously driving to the game on the Saturday, I think you've got the butterflies in your stomach yeah. ready to go. Yeah, and I think well. anyone who says they haven't are lying. Any yeah. player that tells you that yeah, I think you have it, I still get it now. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, I'm 37 and I've played yeah. loads of games and you still get the match day butterflies in your stomach. Once you get out on the pitch, you sort of, you're kitted up and you're ready to go. Then it sort of goes away a bit, you know, in terms of that. But it's that adrenaline build up, uh, what you sort of get inside you. Do you get into the game? Do you take your sort of football home? Like, are you thinking about it all the time or is it like a job to you? Um, good question. No, I, yeah, certainly in my earlier days, I think the older you get, the more experienced you get, you relax a bit more. Um, 
when I was up here, I, f- I found it tough. I think they beat us four. It might have been Shearer's last game when he scored the penalty. Oh, yeah, yeah that was one nil up at half time. That's worse well. than swearing, bringing up that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I know, yeah, got injured and retired after that, I think. But no, that was um, that was a tough one. That took me a few days to get over that one, mm. probably. Because um, we won it up and we played well first half, and then we, we, yeah. we were all over the show second half. Got beat four one. Um, yeah, it was, that was a, that was probably one of the toughest, if not the toughest, games to take in, in my time up here, certainly. Um, but again, as you get older, you know, you, I still I hate losing five aside in training. You know, it riles me now. I get onto the boys in training, and they'll probably <laughs> think, "What's up with this fella?" Like, but no, I'll. Uh, I just that's that's the way I am. You know, you get some lads who try and perhaps coast through training a bit more, and they think, well, I can go easy Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, and I'll just perhaps try a bit harder on a Friday. But that's not in my my makeup, if you like. Um, but it just I just think you know every player is different. So I've got to, I've settled over the years in terms of that trying to let things slide. Again, perhaps the foreigners who like to take it easier in training as opposed to the British base boys. Do you know when you look back at that back to the Roy Keane era? Yeah, that summer between from 07 to 09, did the the players like yourself, Whitehead, um, the sort of the ones who'd been there from the start, did yeah. you feel a bit put out that they bought all these, you know, Shimbonda, Juf, mm-hmm. uh, he bought what CC in, yeah. he bought a lot of them players in who, I don't know, did you feel like you were getting replaced almost? Could you um, have that sort of battle? I mean, obviously you didn't, but yeah. No, I know. Yeah, in terms of, I wouldn't say you felt. I think he was obviously looking at bringing players in who had perhaps more experienced Premier League boys who who he brought in. Um, I was quite surprised that the type of character he brought in, knowing what, what sort of man Roy is. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially the Juve one for me, that was a... That yeah, Juve and Pascal probably out of those three. Gibral, when he first came in, I thought, you know, you put the three, but as mm-hmm. I said previously there, Gibral actually trained well, to be fair yeah. to him, and he put the effort in, as you see that on the pitch as well. Yeah. Like, you know. yeah. um, the others, I didn't take to in terms of more yeah. so, because, you know, as I said... Um, the, the work rate wasn't there perhaps out on the train it was more of a jolly up for them and they thought they could just turn up on a Saturday and it might happen um, but yeah and then obviously Kieran he brought in from his time at United and knew Kieran well um, I remember when he first brought Kieran he was perhaps carrying a bit of weight and then he mm. trained really hard in the off season he said he just went straight through and he came come back in great shape and he and he worked hard and, and then he obviously got the benefits from that um, but yeah I can see that the players obviously he brought in he brought you know Liam Miller came in Ross um, I think Andy Reid he might have brought Andy in did he, he brought, um, yeah he was brought in Johnny January, Evans yeah. you know you saw Johnny Evans as Danny Simpson so he brought lads who he knew and with experience and it helped, helped the squad along and obviously in his championship season we went after Quinny had um, took us from the start of the season where we struggled after the first sort of five or six games then we went on a great run perhaps 20, 20 plus games unbeaten catapulted us up to the to the top end of the table um, confidence obviously grows and, and you just felt we were going out on a Saturday that we were going to win the games yeah it, it feels like you just built a the right structure of the squad you yeah. got the right set of different characters all together which melded perfectly Yeah. but this, with the start of that season the time under Quinn it's kind of like a little bit of an unknown quantity to a lot of Southern fans it's, kind of, it's not really been talking about but he spoke about too often Yeah. could you give us like a little bit of an insight like what was like under Quinn like what was he like as a manager and maybe why it went wrong oh, that's one of my lowest ebbs as a Sunderland fan is losing 3-2 at the stadium like to Plymouth and yeah. oh, I, I don't know did you play yeah I played in that one yeah. Yeah. And I remember, yeah I remember it now yeah. I remember um, thinking like, it can't get any worse than this yeah. <laughs> it does it does, it right, does yeah, right now <laughs> but, yeah. no um, yeah it was it was tough I think um Quinny will say it himself, you know, if he spoke to it since and he's probably laughed and joked, he's probably better up off sta- upstairs mm. than what he was yeah, right, in definitely. the dugout type of thing and that. Um, yeah, it was, looking back, you know, it was a tough time, obviously, you know, we got off to a bad start and then we were perhaps bottom or even second bottom, weren't we, by the time I think Roy came in. Um, 
So the place is obviously on a low, and then there was, as I say, a quick turnaround. The players came in, and we sort of gelled pretty quick. And said, obviously, Carlos as well came in there. Mm. I think um, you know helped us, and then there's, it was just good, good feel around the place again, and it certainly just showed on the on the pitch on a Saturday. Yeah. Do you know Dwight York? Right. I used to always be fascinated with him because he played like central defensive midfield for us, and there were some games like the the Newcastle game we won, uh, Arsenal final game of the year, and yeah, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. How good do you think he must have been when he was in his prime to see him play central defensive midfield yeah, yeah. in the Premier League and be yeah. that good you know, what did was you... he like in training like to, to shift to such a different, completely different role as well Yeah, no, he uh, a bit of respect as well coming from where he came oh, from yeah. with, with a treble winning yeah. to still have the drive and the motivation to do yeah, it yeah because yeah. Yeah, I think obviously wasn't he down in Sydney or something yeah he was yeah, yeah. just love the Roy gets the call, <laughs> Roy rang him and got him off the beach or something was the shot wasn't it no he um, great lad Yorkie um, loved the laugh and a joke mm. again he's one of those I'd say in training is he likes to laugh and a joke but when it was time to work he'd work as well do you know what I mean he, he wanted to do things right and stuff and he'd get on some boys as well um, yeah it was comfy on the ball wasn't he, he for, him, brilliant. for him a game, a training session game was like a game on a Saturday if you know what I mean he confident on the ball if he did lose it he, he just let it slide by and he, <laughs> you know he'd take care of the ball the next time round and um, he was a good old head to have in the team at the time as well I think and as you say looking at his time where playing at United with um you know, Cole and Sheringham and those type of players were on the, obviously on the same wavelength in and around the boxes as well. You know, it was great to watch, wasn't it, back then? And uh, obviously, by the time he joined us, his legs weren't what they were then, but he was still as neat and tidy on the ball. He's so good. Then tur- yeah. just turning players yeah. all the time, like having the better of Fabregas. You're, like, yeah. Yeah. You're 37, <laughs> mate. You shouldn't be doing yeah. that. Yeah, you yeah, seem to be not kind of get the team out of trouble, but you just he was just a great protection to the back four. Yeah. And like no matter who you yourself played alongside yeah. or in their full back or centre back, he, he seemed to just be like a calming influence. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, as you say, and he'd want the ball, whether he'd have a man, as you know, about Fabregas or whoever, because he was a strong boy as well, Yorkie. Um looked after himself well in the gym and he'd have the ball under tight situations. Um you know, as you say, if you're under the caution of games, which we would have been, you know, certainly in the Premier League times there and you're looking around for your characters and that and, and Dwight was always one of you who'd want out there. So who who would you say was kinda of like the best player? You play that with at Sunderland in terms of like technical skill and ability. Um, yeah, I'd, if I'd put you on the spot. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, I'd probably go with Steve Malbronk. Oh, very nice. Yeah, I think that's touched upon it, didn't you? Actually, he, um, you give him a ball in in a port cabin with twenty people around him, he still come out the door with it. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? He's he never lost the ball in training. Um, was it true about his? Um, it was rumored uh, to enjoy a smoke off the field. Uh, if he did, I didn't. Oh, didn't unless he didn't do it around the training ground yeah. and stuff, I, I never seen him. He used to be reported that he used to go like out the back at half time and have yeah. a cigarette and then come back. In. Yeah. I heard that a few times. I, feel, I know players who do like yeah, you know, yeah. Who have a, and they say a few French boys and stuff. But he um, only last sixty minutes, Malbronk. Yeah, sixty minute man. <laughs> you always knew you see Marlborough. the player warming up. Was like, oh, it's going to be Malbronk coming up. Yeah, sixty minutes. Oh, no, yeah, he was technically a very good player, very quiet lad around the training ground. You know, you yeah. struggle to get a conversation yeah, yeah. with him, but um, he just got on with it in training and trained well. And as I say, great to have on your team and the little five sides as well. And that you know, he's he very technically gifted. I wouldn't mind him on my five side team. Like, yeah. That'd be good. Uh, question for myself here: Kind of, what do you pinpoint as being the like the key catalyst in Sunderland's decline from from the Premier League? What do What do you pinpoint? What's the What's the reason? Um, tough one, because obviously I, I don't know the ins and outs. But again, I think they've obviously since my time leaving the club, they've obviously tried to increase the the caliber of player. Brought a lot of boys again, a lot of foreign lads. Mm. I found it looking on from the outside similar to Newcastle when they went down again that big foreign influx of players who 
when it's tough down the bottom of the league and that do they really want to turn up and roll their sleeves up and have to mm. graft on a on a cold wet Tuesday night type of game do you know what I mean um, certainly obviously you've had a big turnover of managers as well in the last few years which never helps a club I don't think and again obviously they flirted with relegation time after time and it was it was, it was coming for a few years and obviously under Sam and a few of the others who've, who've taken the job and um, you know unfortunately it's caught up with them in the, in the long run and at the minute it's, it's snowballed on from there um, it's not good to see and certainly I I don't want to see him go down into, into League One, and you know, for a club of this size, it's a, it'd be a shame if they did. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just think from from the outside looking in now, um, perhaps just just the I don't know the, the work rate, perhaps in there, and yeah. the the foreign influx which has come yeah. in over the past, and do they really know what it's all about? Yeah, mm. Trying to find the right character and personality yeah. for the team. Yeah, I mean, you've obviously still got the characters here. You've got your John O'Shea still here. You know, yeah. um, obviously Katz is in the middle of the part there. You've still got your, you know, Darren Gibson. You've mm. still got a good core of core of players who I think you've got good experience, Premier League experience, and that. And obviously they they'll find it frustrating if they are, they are the foreign boys there who aren't pulling in the right direction as them and again they'll probably think well if we do go down I'll just get a move away in the summer yeah, or something yeah. do you know what I mean and they don't feel it like the other boys do, do you think the foreign lads kind of struggle with the North East as well because it's not the most like vibrant upbeat area when you compare London and, and Manchester yeah. and stuff like that do you think that's a factor or maybe I mean I've, I've heard that before where we were in my time we were linked with players who and then there were stories oh they don't want to come up here because then the missus doesn't want to come up here for mm. the shopping and <laughs> I, ne- I never get that I think <laughs> If you're up here and that, you know, got the got the metro centre. If you want to go to the shops, you know, we've got. I shouldn't really say Newcastle's not a bad night. Was, no, you know, Sunderland's improved. There's good restaurants about. Yeah. There's, you know, there's stuff. If there's only so much you can do as a footballer, and you're off days anyway, you know. You, so I, I never really understood that. If you're committing to a football club, you know, 80, 90 percent of your time is looking after yourself and mm. getting prepared to to do your best for that football for, club. For me, that's like a flag towards a bad mentality anyway. When they're when they're concerned about kind of what shops they can go to yeah. rather than yeah. what football team I'm going to be I'm going to be playing for. Exactly. You pay about fifteen pound for a pint down London, don't yeah, you? As well, yeah. so <laughs> I'm sure it's not all up here. Well, that's the thing. If you think about the comparison of wages, if you buy a house in London, yeah. it'll cost you two million. If you buy one here, it'll cost you two hundred grand. Yeah, like yeah, that's exactly. the yeah. buy four up here. Well, that's what I'd be thinking. <laughs> yeah, you could yeah. buy a full house and see. Parallels between the current team and possibly some of the characters in the dressing room when you were there under Keaton. Yeah, like there's the difficulties we've heard over in Dong, Rodwell, Grabben, uh, Vaughan when they were, those two were here being like disruptive influences in training. And obviously, we've heard about the who did you mention that Vaughan? Yeah, David Vaughan. No, 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 James Vaughan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Vaughan, but yeah, yeah. So James Vaughan grabbing like the right. and Don Rod were like disruptive influences now. Yeah, and there's yeah. it seems to be there was obviously El Hadjouf and Chimbond like we've discussed who were disruptive influences at the time. Yeah, does that have much of an effect on the other lads in training aside from like the anger? Like obviously they'll have a go like Gibson that time when he had a few too many and had a go, but <laughs> yeah. a, a lot of fans kind of sympathise with that, but. Is there an outward effect on the team? Like, do, do a lot of the lads come together and pull together and be like, "Look, how about you need to pull your weight?" Yeah, no, I think it is like that. Yeah, I think you've got one or two bad eggs, should we say, in the camp. Then obviously you've got a twenty, twenty-five man squad. Then the rest of you have got to just try and put it aside, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to three o'clock on a Saturday. You know, if chances are that then perhaps not out on the pitch anyway. Um, so as you say, once the whistle goes three o'clock on a Saturday, then the other ten boys who are out there with you, you've got to be pulling in the right direction. Um, for the next 90 minutes and yeah. put whatever's gone on on the training pitch or if one or two lads have got the up with the manager or whatever then that's got to be out the window come kick off mm. it's, the most famous one's probably the whole allocation with Anton Ferdinand and El Hadjouf yeah like were you there for that and during yeah, no, all also, to also touched upon in the interview a little bit I think yeah yeah no I was I was uh, obviously we um 
we I think we beat Blackburn mm-hmm. on the Saturday. Oh, uh, it was a great game too. One win, might have been yeah, come in and everything. Obviously, everyone's high buzzing and stuff. And I think Jufi was on the bench, um, mm. hadn't come on, and I think he saw. I think it was Ricky. Ricky's raising might have been in charge at the time. I think and. He was having a bit of a pop at Ricky or something. If you don't want, you know, perhaps don't. If you don't want me, here, let me go or something yeah. along those lines and stuff. And I think Anton just sort of said to him, "Listen, Doofy, just let it go. You know, it's not the time or the place really. We've had a good win, three points under the, our belts, and um, you know, sort of if you want to speak to the manager, leave it till Monday morning or something. Mm-hmm. Then they've had a bit of a, a ding dong in the in the back room where we sort of warm <laughs> up and then yeah. one or two fifty cuffs, I think. And, yeah. and that <laughs> I, sort I can of imagine stuff, Anton's which... getting the better of that if if I'm honest. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I didn't can, actually can you say, I was in the change oh, right, so, yeah. but where it went on and so yeah. I think it was a two minute job and I think <laughs> if I remember I think Cleggie might have split more I think Cleggie's still here isn't he the, the fitness, yeah, the fitness yeah. guy yeah so I think Cleggie might have sort of separated and that was that really but again it's just what you don't need really mm. especially after we've just had a, a good win do you remember you talked about the Blackburn game there I remember I was at that away game and there was rumours that Keane had left right. he'd resigned just before the game yeah. and Sort of the only thing that we knew as fans was when he actually came out was like, oh, he obviously is still here. Right. And I think Quinn had to come out and deny it. Mm-hmm. But then he eventually went a couple of weeks later when we got beat up Bolton. Right. Did you like, did you know that that was going to happen? Could you see Roy going at that point? Uh, no, I mean, obviously, I, I know you get whispers and stuff on Facebook and all the social media yeah. stuff and that and what, what goes on and that. And you sort of believe half of what you read type of thing, don't you? Um but no, I'd say obviously as a player again, there you're going and you're turning up and you want to just concentrate on your, on your training, concentrate on your game on a Saturday and, and obviously you're going in and if Roy was there, he, he was there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? In, in a way, like, and then obviously, um, you know, you perhaps do hear the whispers of rumours and, oh, is he is he upset with certain stuff yeah. and what is he, whatever. And obviously he's, a, he's quite a fiery character and maybe whatever, but... Um, no, as you say, he was still there for that game and that and there's always murmurings between the fans and stuff and then... A couple of weeks later, as you mentioned, then then he then he's gone. What was what was that like? I can't imagine that dressing room being a nice place after that four-one defeat because we got hammered off Bolton. Yeah, I think Almanda scored a couple of goals. Oh, yeah, scoring that one. Four-one. Almanda. Yeah, 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 like, no, at home. At home was it? Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was at home. Yeah. CC scored like yeah. early on, and then we just capitulate we got to be 4-1 sounds then a familiar story Keane was gone by Monday <laughs> yeah, morning that's when Dino got booed for every but single it, touch of the yeah, ball it wasn't, it wasn't really just for results with Keane though he, he really didn't get on with Ella Short I remember reading yeah. in Keane's yeah. book about um, Ella Short coming in taking over the club and not really knowing a great deal about football he's kind of texting Keane on the morning of a game against United at Old Trafford Old Trafford saying so three points today Roy question mark and <laughs> Roy Keane's like you know who the fuck is this idiot <laughs> No, I can imagine things like that would rile Roy like into him. Yeah, when he's obviously trying to concentrate on the game and get the squad sorted and stuff, and that's probably not his cup of tea. No, you know what I mean, no. um, yeah, you know, I think obviously with Roy, um, you know, we used to turn up at hotels on away games, and you get the odd fans there, you know, the, the autograph collectors and stuff, and then obviously yeah. he's got his couple of books at that time. I think he just had his one book out and. There was a, a couple of snidey, snidey copy books or something that were out at the time. <laughs> I remember we were walking into an uh, a lift in one of the hotels and there was about four or five of them come by there and we were all getting in the lift together and he was like, listen, that's not my book. That's not my book. And he had a pop at two or three of them and he goes, that one is my book. I'll sign that one for you. Do you know what I mean? So just little funny, th- like looking back at things brilliant. like that really and just remembering one or two. Um, there was, obviously there's probably the, the story where um, we had an away game can't remember we were playing now we used to meet um, services down towards Middlesbrough uh, mm-hmm. Winyard, Winyard services there a few of the boys used to meet us there and I think it was 
Anthony Stokes and Martin Fullop at the time and Stokes had been late a couple of times prior to that mm. and I think say it was two o'clock meeting for the bus there and we were there now and it, it was two minutes past two perhaps and then the gaffer um, told the bus to leave because Stokesy and Martin hadn't turned they were late for the bus um, so as, as we're driving out of the services Stokesy and Martin have pulled in behind us when they start following the bus <laughs> <laughs> so the gaffer's turned round and he shouts which one who's got one of their numbers and that so I think it might have been Liam Miller said I've got, I've got him he's like give me a ring and tell them they're not in the squad so I was telling them to go home they're not in the squad so that was them too they weren't in the squad that, that trip and uh, a couple of other lads had to had to come down to make up the numbers for the squad so do you know what I mean just little things what funny little I bet that was mad for them I bet they were like questioning the whole existence at the club after that like being shut out in the cold by Roy Keane I bet, I bet they were sweating yeah. a bit yeah but uh, again that was just his professionalism in terms of yeah. timekeeping it, I, mean, I always remember him saying timekeeping was his pet hate if lads were late mm. and I think off the, off Stokesy off the top of my head had been late a couple of times perhaps yeah. and he sort of he, he didn't forget you know and yeah, yeah. perhaps he just blew a fuse with him what, what are your uh, memories of having a, um, a goal at not against Aston Villa disallowed yeah yeah, fuming. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I remember it was one all when it was the last yeah, kick, it was last kick of the game. Yeah, last head. Got above Scott Carson. I, I don't know how, as a player, how you can manage to outjump a goal if he's got an arm's length to reach yeah. above you and punch a ball as well. Hardly any minimum contact. Um, obviously, ball's gone in. I've run off celebrating by the corner flag. Turn round, and I think even remember the ref, Steve Bennett was refing that night. Mm. I remember. <laughs> Uh, and I remember obviously Roy was fuming with it as well after um, yeah disappointing that would have been my first goal at the stadium like yeah. um, and then obviously deflated it it finished in a one-all draw I think mm. and that would have been the winner and then funnily enough I think the next season my first goal at the stadium like was against Villa oh there you go come mm. full circle so, you had a, a goal disallowed against Fulham as well we won that game yeah. 3-1 but you had a goal I, disallowed then and then I scored just after yeah. that yeah it's weird yeah weird how it works things like yeah no I did yeah score and then I think Murph stood across up and I've just Got put us one up there. Um, yeah, again, so that would have been two in the same. How, game, how's but. that feeling? I've always wanted to score a goal away from home, like if I did it, because of that big away, especially yeah, something that's got like five thousand away yeah, fans. Yeah, yeah. How is it when you score? What is that actual feeling? Is it like an out of body experience? Yeah. Or yeah, no, well, especially for, for a defender centre half, you say you don't oh, get yeah. too many really. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah, it's different, you know, to get on the end of a set piece, a corner, or something to you know, mm. to put, especially if it's it's a goal that matters really in the terms of. I think my first one was the year we went down. I think we were 2-0 down at Villa and we'd been relegated. Really I, sc- I scored yeah. ahead of the Africa and that was my first goal for the club. But we'd been beaten it was 2-1, so it didn't really mean that much in a way. Um, but, yeah, my first one here was against Villa. Put us 1-0 up and in fu- full house at the stadium. I like the hairs are up on your net and you're yeah. celebrating and you don't know what you're doing for perhaps 20 seconds or so, really. <laughs> you know, especially as a defender, but how do you celebrate, you know? Um, but it, it is, it's a good experience and, uh, you know, I've... Uh, I've chipped in with a few goals over the years and I've got three or four this year as well um, got off to a good start three in the first sort of ten games really I've, nice um, I've dried up a bit of late I've <laughs> one I've one I've been, st- been the, close the road in the centre back yeah 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 um, but yeah it's, uh, it's nice to chip in and help the boys out with a goal or two they're the best goals to score as well when you like as a, as a defender myself like when you're when you powering over your marker you beat him tactically you beat him physically you get the ball you connect it and power it into the far corner like, yeah. and then just run off don't even like stre- like the same stride run off towards <laughs> your away end like yeah. on the home end yeah. that, that's the best for me like oh I, w- I wish I, I could never um, really imagine the feeling of doing that in the studio my light I wish I could do that myself like I've never experienced this this <laughs> scoring a goal and running off with the same stride like, <laughs> no, no, no goals following by the time you got there yeah maybe like the ball goes over the bar or something <laughs> but yeah. no um, we'll move on 
we've got Birmingham City next um, away from home we've got they've got who, who put this together eight points in six since we last played mm-hmm. was that us or them that's Birmingham that's Birmingham eight points in six but the ten games before that we had four points yes four. and they've conceded six in six in all competitions three against Derby um, only one one and eight St Andrews Sam Gallagher has got four and six and yeah. Jota is out the team because he's not been very good what mm-hmm. are you saying for the uh, for the Birmingham so game it seems like Birmingham went through a little bit of an upturn a bit of a revival of late mm. like, it's actually since we played them since we played them they've went on a great run and they, beat, they won three games in a row in all competitions with three clean sheets at one point and uh, Cotterell's kind of just I was speaking to a Birmingham fan the other day and he's saying that Cotterell's just like square peg, square hole sort of thing, round pegs, round holes. Instead of trying to play Sam Gallagher out wide, uh, he's just putting, yeah, he's putting Gallagher back into the middle, playing football, like playing to the strengths of the team. And Gallagher's responded to that. Obviously, he's got the he got the goal against us, and then scored three more since then. And the Birmingham fans are saying he's a bigger man transformed. So it's, I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a very tight game, like just like the last one. But I think there's a couple of things in our advantage, and it's one one of them is St Andrews' form, one win in eight. If we can frustrate them. Play with pace, play with like the intensity that we did against Hull. Get out, get out of them early. A couple of stray balls, a couple of stray corners, then their crowd's going to get on them. It's been like that all season. I'm, I'm laughing here because we posted a, a photo on Twitter of um, oh, us in the studio rinsed. with Danny Collins and uh, Sean's put, um, what's he doing sitting, sitting alongside uh, David Williams? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm Sorry, Connor. I'm the the Rogue Report bitch. That's what I am. That's the Kevin <laughs> Kevin Ball actually dubbed him the little bitch as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. So, but I Birmingham. I reckon. <laughs> I reckon we could be in for. Yeah. Um, I said one one last week mm. with Nick Barnes. I think or nil nil one of the two. But I'm kind of like taught me way into a bit of confidence now. Yeah, I don't know why. You know, it's like no place. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's it's changed. Away, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. St Andrews. Yeah. But apparently the atmosphere is a bit poisonous at the moment. So. It is. Yeah. Do you feel that as a player? Would you know? You know, yeah. you played in that 15 point season when yeah. we won the last one. Yeah. Did you know that the other team was sort of smelling blood yeah, beforehand? Yeah. Um, if you if you're on a, a bad like we are at the minute at Grimsby, funnily enough, we we were great up until Christmas up in the playoffs, and then we've picked up in the last eight games. We've had two two draws and six defeats. So mm. our place at the minute is uh, is not great. You know they're they're onto the manager a bit. Um, again, we've started the last sort of three games at home. We've been great. First attack the opposition as they scored. Yeah, you know, and then the boos come out and. The, the, the singing about the manager going and everything like that and it obviously oh, nice. doesn't help but I'm, I can guarantee as the opposition team come into town the first thing the manager will be saying is just get on top of these early on and the crowd will turn Yeah, which will be the same Sunderland going to Birmingham as you say as they've picked up recently mm. to say eight points or whatever I, I've always found St Andrews um, it's Everyone's saying about Birmingham, like a big club. I, I, I always, it always looks half empty anyway. It's it does. It never yeah. looks like a you know yeah, yeah. crowd in there. And again, I guess they're waiting to, to not to turn in a way. But if you know Sunderland take the lead early on there, then they'll, mm. they'll be on top of the team. And yeah, yeah. you know the, perhaps the players might crumble a touch in that. So mm. I'd say if Sunderland can go there and get out the blocks early on and get off to a good start and, mm. and put them on the back foot, then hopefully they can come over the pubs fingers crossed do you ever get down to the steam light last one I went to was, was it last year the year before um, our season had finished so the week after obviously the Premier League went on a bit longer and I came I think it was Chelsea might have been the season before it was 3-2 Sunderland 1-3 oh what yeah, a game it was very good, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so it was a couple of seasons ago wasn't you need to come back if that's, if that's the good know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you sit in the, the regular seat or in the posh bit Um the posh regular seats. No, no. Um, I think no, Louise, um, who was obviously here at my time, she looked after us. Uh, brought me, me, Mrs. His, um brother and father along. 
Um, I say it's always been great actually. I just give it a call, and they do look after the ex players yeah. well. Um, came along and you know went up into into one of the, the lounges upstairs really. Just had a, had a drink before the game and just you know seats just up behind the dugout really. Good, oh, good nice. spot and that and uh, good to come back and, and to, to watch again. You'll probably be on the ground in your hand at half time soon doing the raffle draw. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you do that. Um, we've got a, a few Twitter comments. Um, Lee Jenkins says for Brazil they should play Danny Collins. Uh, Peter says still can't believe we sold him after he was player of the season. Andrew Malcolmson says last proper left back we've had in ages. Uh, Dan says ask him to have a pint with me. Um, Paul says in my opinion the most underrated player ever to play for Sunderland AFC. How, how does that yeah. make you feel? Uh, <laughs> I was rated you. Yeah, underrated, but as you said, I, I picked up the player of the year award like so, someone twice must, or was it yeah yeah, yeah I think you got North East player of the year as well got North East award writers award when you left though didn't you you picked right. it up as you left uh, I got it no it was the year before the year before it was yeah was it? I, was I, re- I got seen I was reading Adam an Johnson article young, young player of the year I was reading an article saying you weren't sure if you were going to make it because you were it so oh, um, yeah no it, I mean I, it was good to feel appreciated in a way you know as you say to, to get the awards and stuff and um you know, certainly after coming from a it's well deserved as well. I've only played twelve games in for Chester in League Two, mm. so we we won the conference prior to the season I came here. So it was a big step in a way to come from. I've only played ten games in League Two to come to a team who were third in the Championship. Mm. Um, you know, big step up in terms of you know we get five thousand watching Chester and that, but mm. to come to a stadium here where we were doing well and forty thousand plus in, it's a big you know it's a big step to take it up. And obviously the first year I came. It was tough to get into the team because the lads are doing well. Obviously, I think George was in at left back, Stevie and Gary Breen were centre halves, and, and righty at right back. And I think I played 11, 12 games that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was good to feel a part of it and to pick up a medal. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, the, my, my next four seasons is where I sort of kicked on and played 20 plus games each, 30 plus games each season after that. And just felt that I grew as a player in time in, in time over over the course of the time I was at, was at the club. And, um, you know, we had obviously the up and down and the disappointment of the relegation season in terms of. I think as I mentioned last week, um, the disappointing thing was I didn't. It, we, I don't remember us being smashed week in week out. You know, we didn't. We didn't get yeah, it for so fives and sixes. Yeah, it was, it was one, always one nil, two one nil, two yeah. ones, which is the frustrating thing. On and again, I don't think Mick got much of a budget to spend that year. Um, so it was it was fresh for a lot of the young boys. You know. Who'd, who'd not experienced Premier League football before to, to take that step up? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a good learning curve for us. We went down, we came back stronger the year after with the winning the league under Roy, and then I had another two seasons after that. Yeah. Um, felt comfortable and you know playing week in week out against you know some good tough players. You know, learning experience week in week out, but felt good out there. Where, where would you say you played your best football in your career? Um, yeah, certainly probably my last couple of seasons up at Sunderland. Um, since so you remained at the Premier League for a, for a while. Yeah, after yeah, that, and, so. and Stoke, and then the time at Stoke, I had three seasons there. I played the first two seasons, sort of fifty odd games in the Premier League up mm-hmm. there. Um, played every game at left back really, and played two at centre half, I think there. And what a waste! Then after that, <laughs> I obviously at Forest, and that went in there. Enjoyed my time at f- first couple of seasons at Forest. You know, captain of the club there for mm-hmm. the first couple of years. I went in. In the third year, I'd be nose pushed out a bit, and when, when Stuart Pearce came in, um, got back in when Dougie Duck Freeman took over again till the end of that season, um, and then obviously went on to Rotherham after that, and then Grimsby. So I've had you know I've had a loan spell at Ipswich, which I enjoyed as well. Mm. Actually, uh, who was the manager there? Paul Jewell. It was my last year at Stoke. I was on the bench for the first couple of games. Um, spoke to Tony and said, you know, can I look to get away on loan? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I went to I say three months down at Ipswich, enjoyed it under Paul there. Um, we were doing well, came back at Christmas, and then went to West Ham for three months under Sam Allardyce, and then they asked, they went up uh, in the playoffs that year. Vastly mm-hmm. got the winner at Wembley, I think, and uh, so that was different experiences. Perhaps you know enjoyed enjoyed both different experiences and stuff. Um, but yeah, certainly my time, my five years at Sunderland tops everything. So d- did you prefer left back or centre back? Didn't mind either. Didn't mind, as long as you are in the team. Obviously 37 (laughs) now. Um, I think the older you get, it just becomes more centre-half anyways, perhaps more experience in reading the game. Mm. Um, As a terms in bombing round, you know, I think, funnily enough, my in my time at Jamal LaSalle's now obviously captain at Newcastle, he just came into the team with me at Forest. He came in as a young lad alongside me. You know, you see him, he's a good specimen, he's a big, strong lad, quick and that. But he was naive on the pitch in terms of, you know, Positioning and stuff like mm-hmm. that, so he's a good one to have alongside um, in terms of you know helping him in his in his early days and stuff. And um, you know, I think he'll obviously go on to to be a top player, Jamal. Mm-hmm. I think he'll perhaps you know I'm so to speak too soon for him, but I think he will go on to play for England in a in a year or so. You know, he's he's a good he's a good pro, and he'll uh, perhaps kick on. How we'll, we'll send that bit the Newcastle fans, like the mentor sort of bonds that we've obviously got with Shane, mentoring Clark Salter and Brown. Yeah, and they've both spoke of like how important he is in yeah. constantly communicating. Yeah. It is, yeah. So I mean, from the other perspective, like, course, yeah, of course it is. And it's a step up for them boys from where they've come from as well. Um, you know, having John there, he's been there, done that. He's won titles with United, and uh, you know, probably fifty plus caps easily for for the Republic as well. And um, it'll not just be on a Saturday where he's talking to him. I'm sure they'll do defensive drills like we do now. Mm-hmm. Um, during training in the week and he'll be giving them experience you know pulling them in the balls down the right hand side you know getting them tucked in getting the left back tucked in and just coaching them as well out on the pitch and just brings them on and they'll only gain experience from playing games and, and playing alongside players that likes a job yeah. What do you see for the rest of your playing career this season or longer? I, I still I still feel good you know as I say there I've, I've ticked off You've not really had many injuries have you? No I only had one at Forest I tore me me uh, ruptured my Achilles on my right come, come down funny off the head and ruptured it and so I was out for 10 weeks with that um, That's I've had the old broken nose yeah I did yeah um, who caught me big John Crew caught me <laughs> he was and, he and was Fellini, so, so yeah I've done it twice while I was up here then Pear caught me but um, yeah you know it's part and parcel of the job as a centre half really yeah. isn't it? <laughs> but I'll keep going I feel I still feel good um, try to look after myself the best I can and um you know, I remember it was actually funny enough. Kev Ball told me your career's over, feel it goes like that, you know. Mm. So look after yourself, keep playing as long as you can, and because uh, it feels you'll remember the day once you retire. I think, Where's my career gone there? It goes quick, you know. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, took that on board. And do you, do you see yourself as a, a manager, a coach, or a pundit? Uh, I'd like to obviously do perhaps a bit of media stuff as well. Yeah. I think last, last year I went down to Wales and done my B license down there, mm. um, so perhaps look at getting into the coaching side of it as well. And, be nice to not sure whether to work with kids in terms yeah. of the 16s 18s or you know whatever and but look to get into that side of it and perhaps be good to to go back and give a bit of, bit of experience yeah. to some of these boys and you never know we'll see see what happens but yeah certainly for now maybe a bit of getting into the, the media side of stuff as well and, and doing a bit of that David Prutton's got a nice cushy job on Sky at the minute <laughs> Danny's done well to be fair you know, I can Danny, see you, he, he, can he see you doing that he's not bad is he yeah, Scott he's Minto he's doing yeah. alright no, we should briefly touch on um, a new side in Loire Loire I think he yeah. does a job for me well, I think, yeah he's I think, what we need he's yeah, got yeah. power and pace and abundance and I've, I've played agree. against him a couple of times at down at Brighton hard good well not actually played against him he sort of plays on the yeah. left likes to come in on his right mm. foot um, good energy um 
got good strike on him from him, a strong boy, yeah. and can go past players as well. Um, so I think I think it would be a good addition to the to the squad. I'm, I'm pleased with it myself. Yeah, I think yeah for a free transfer as well. Yeah, it's, it's a yeah. short-term deal as well. It's six contract deal. at the end of the season, so it's yeah. It's not like we're tied down, to, we're yeah. tied down to big wages with them. Exactly. That's how we've bought yeah. James Vaughan again. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, um, we'll go on to a bit of a prediction for the Birmingham game just to to round things off. Nichols, what are you saying? Right. What do you uh, reckon? Well, I think a couple of the players that troubled us last time are missing this time. Uh, Jota's out of the team completely, and he. Actually, caught a lot of Birmingham fans have played his only good game of the season yeah, against Sunderland. brilliant against us. Uh, Checking Doy as well, who's a bit of a gangly, like six foot three, six. He's foot not playing in the middle, field. is he? Because yeah. uh, what we call him, David Davies is back. Yeah, Davis is back. So Doy's out of the there. team, and, he's, and Doy's not necessarily the most adept of players, but the verticality of their play with Gallagher up on O'Shea, and then Doy in front of him. Yeah. That physicality really isolated O'Shea in the home game. And without Ndoy, I mean, he's been linked with moves away to France, so he might not even be at Birmingham by the time we play them. I'm going to be pretty confident and say that we won't be stretched the way we were at home. So I'm going to put my neck on the line and say 1 0 Sunderland. Connor? I think we'll win. 2 2 0. Danny? Uh, I'm going to have to go on the fence, lads. I think it'll be 1 1. Oh, the I think 1 1. Oh. I said 1 1 when we had Nick Barnes in last week, but I don't know. It's bad to change your. Uh, mm. Change, change your predictions. <laughs> both be one one. I, I reckon we'll win. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give a score. Well, Gallagher is in form as well, so he might get a couple. You never know. Um, final bit. What do you make of the uh, the, the songs the non fans used to to sing about you? Where did that come from? Good question. Does anyone know? Um, <laughs> no, it was. I mean, it's it's nice to um, to have a song. I think as is, you know, it's usually the the flair players in the team that get the songs you were you, you, were were <laughs> yeah, you know your strikers or your, your number 10s or those type of players who get the songs and stuff um, but yeah it was nice and as I say once if you know you hear the songs I think a lot of players sometimes pretend they don't hear what goes on in the crowd on mm. the pitch and that but you, you always know what's going on in the crowd I think and that and uh, certainly it gives you a lift and that and you know your, your, your name being sang in a song it gives you as I say the hairs come up on your neck yeah. and it's it's a, it's nice to be a part. Of it. Did you recall the first time you heard it? Because I can imagine as a left back, I would be like, "Is that me? Me? Yeah, Danny, me? Danny, Danny Collins? Collins I yeah. Brazil? Yeah, yeah. Brazilian? Brazilian? <laughs> yeah, I've been linked in with Brazil. There, what's going on there? No, uh, yeah, as I say, I didn't know. And I think there's some t-shirts came out there. Uh, yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, been, uh, like on on that, yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Was it, I've got like one question. Like I don't know what a bit I would say, but you obviously knew your end of the time in the club. You played under Ella Short. Yeah. Uh, well. When he was first bought the club out, and like, what was the players' experience of Short at the time? Like, obviously, we mentioned Kino had a quite a riff with Short, and at the minute, it's, he's not exactly the most popular fan in Sun, uh, popular man in Sunderland. Uh, but was there any like insight you got to Short when you were there, or did you ever see him around much or anything? No, I, I've got to be honest there. I, I didn't. Um, going back to what I said earlier on, we as as the players and that you just like to concentrate just on the training on the playing side of things trying to do everything right on there you try and sort of keep out of what's going on on the board you, you obviously pick up snippets in the in the press and stuff and you might get asked the odd questions and that but as a whole you just want to concentrate on doing your job and yeah. hopefully things take care of themselves in the in the boardroom and upstairs yeah can you well that that brings to a close the latest episode Danny thanks for coming <laughs> in <laughs> really appreciate it yeah, off guard yeah. no problem yeah. uh, Connor cheers for coming in as always James nice one um, we're on well Danny did an interview for the site brokerreport.com very good one of the best ones yet I would encourage you all to go and have a, a little read of that 
Um, we've got a historical based podcast coming out for you um, early next week on Edwardian goalkeeper Lee Richmond Roos. We're on Facebook. Uh, just type in the Rogue Report. We're on Twitter at Rogue Report. Danny, do you want to give you your Instagram a plug or? Uh, <laughs> no, <I'm okay. laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Quite low key. Off, off is there. Um, aye, so thanks for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.